Shit, that's probably every podcaster's dream. Talk, get paid. Nah, some journalists still haven't still want like integrity. So, very few. Bro, as a nigga who studied journalism, like it sucks that I wouldn't say that I don't know, I don't be no conservative ass nigga and so like oh journalism is dead, but it has shifted in a way where it's not so much about it's a uh, what's pop culture right now is kind of just like oh, I guess it's always been about like headlines and shit, but now it's like with the expect with the growth of social media, like opinion bases everything, like not just so much factual, but like opinion. Opinion, opinion, opinion. Opinion, emotions. And that's when I say like, journalism is dead. You know Steve Harvey got a show? A judge show? Judge Steve Harvey? <laughs> I was talking to Cat. I said, bro, you busting your ass for the LSAT. This nigga is already a supreme official. <laughs> I have no idea. I bet people in other I bet people in other countries really look over here like What the hell is going on? That's why they be saying we waiting for y'all to wake up. Y'all in the belly of the beast. Y'all niggas over there watching Judge Steve Harvey and but shit while the Gaza Strip is being bombed. Bruh. <laughs> like, <Literally. laughs> that's why they waiting for us to wake up, uh, bro. How can you look at American culture, knowing what America is doing? <laughs> you see, are you going on TV and see what they is doing on TV, just to see what the imperialist machine is doing across the world? But then it's wild though, because when you travel, you just see the influence of this Western culture. You feel me? You feel me being like uh, propagated. And then people wanting to aspire to the same type of Western culture that we have. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember, like, or just even my black culture be, they try to, like, imitate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I remember being in, in South Africa when I was 18 and going out there, and they was, like, 10 years behind. <laughs> like, the music they was listening to was, like, music we was listening to, like, 10 years ago. Yeah. They was, like, trying to dress like, I was, like, I was surprised. I go to the mall. I'm, like, I see them. I'm, like, bro, like. That's how it was when <laughs> I was just in Jamaica. <laughs> they was dressed like Soldier Boy. <laughs> Like it's all funny, bro. Like they ten years behind, but it just shows you. But that's what they do too. They like they try to use like American, like the West tries to use like so called like American culture, uh, the the values, and they try to use it in other countries through media to push it onto their own people mm-hmm. uh, in different countries to now aspire to be like the West. And then now that's how you indoctrinate people to oh we want you know regime change because. We want to watch uh, Beverly Hills That's or something. Idea of freedom. Like, it's the idea of freedom is being able to go to like what Rodale Drive in Beverly Hills and be able to go shop, be able to choose just whatever you want. Consume nonsense. <laughs> That's the democracy they going. Hey, over. Like, That's oh, the democracy they going over there. They so got still. they got uh, keeping up with the Kardashians. I want to be able to watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Like literally, there's a uh, that former Zionist. I mean, he's still a Zionist, but the former Zionist president. I think it's Netanyahu. I don't even know. How it's, Pronounce his name. That's what Jaleel was talking about in his writing, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, he said something on TV. He said, you know, the best way we could uh, get into these countries is put our TV channels, allow them to have internet, <laughs> give them the TV channels, and now they can see how people live in the West. Now they want to aspire to that. And we don't need- <laughs> Aspire to consumerism. That's what- it, Aspire to consumerism, inspired yeah. to be like the West. And now you, you, you were calling for regime, regime change. Now the U.S. funnels CIA within it. And of course- they try to push that narrative now, you know? That's what, uh, in the Du Bois art book that I had bought, the like yeah. 1900 Paris exhibition shit, in, in it they talk about how, you know, the world exhibitions would come, I don't know if it was yearly, decade, I don't know how it worked. Uh, but anyway, at these world exhibitions, right, there was one in the early 1900s where the U.S., I think it was one that Du Bois did, 
um, the one in Paris, the U.S.'s exhibition, right? You had people who had, like, their art, right? They had, like, the different um, architectural things that they were doing, the different cultural things they were doing. And the U.S. exhibition was Coca-Cola, ice cream, and TV. <laughs> Bruh. Just on the world stage. On the world stage. On like, the world stage. We, we showing off soda. Like, you, you can come and have ice cream. Come and have soda. Come and sit and watch TV. Like, that's what, on a they world stage, where other niggas was like... Art. You know, like, I can't remember what the thing <laughs> that, that Russia had, but it was like this big ass, like, um, made out of... It might have been Russia, some, some country. Uh, they had this big ass, like, aluminum... Shit, your aluminum thing that they made it was like this big ass thing of architecture like stories high yeah. that was like they exhibition but in America it was Coca-Cola and ice cream and you could watch TV consumerism bro and now what does America show off they drones <laughs> now you can buy a drone too mm-hmm. bomb so separately <laughs> missile so separately what are we what are we Hello Black. Tap in with Patreon. Patreon.com slash Hello Black Pod. We need y'all to support, you feel me? So tap in with our Patreon. We've been giving y'all episode week after week. <laughs> Darren Ramadan. So come on. Tap in with us. Patreon.com slash Hello Black Pod. Support the real. Support the real. Come on. But we got a, a good episode in store today. I mean, all our episodes is good. Took so, us a year to finally get through all the phases, hey, but we, we did know, it. Three phase theory. <laughs> we we got it coming for y'all. We we gonna hit the the last phase. So be sure to uh, we gonna talk more about this in another episode. But be sure to get Jaleel's new book, uh, the new edition of We Are Our Own Liberators. Go tap in with that. Uh, we'll post a link on our Patreon. So go tap in with that link on Patreon. Patreon.com slash HellBlackPod. We got a good episode. But before we start here. The episode, you know, we is consistent with this thing, this idea, and this practice called joy. <laughs> yep. I kick it off. Cause Black I, joy. Do we have any to share? Yeah, we want to share it first. Yeah, let's make space for let's, the, Yeah, let's, let's not be for our supporters. First. Let's make space for our supporters. I ain't going to say names. Just the hella black community. I ain't gonna say names of people because I just don't know if people want their names shared. Yeah, that's fine. So I'm but thank just, y'all. Want to say appreciate? Thank y'all. Yeah, yes. we we got like multiple comments. How this many week. people? Uh, five. Exponential growth. Then that we is, have like that two. Is, that is a qualitative. Then we have. Then we have two. <laughs> Brother, I'm so happy for y'all engaging with us. Like I, qualitative. I wish we had. A, I wish we had a, a camera so y'all could see our faces. But I'm smiling I'm really right juiced, now. For real. I'm happy that people is responding. So even if it's the same person weekly, same people weekly. Please, y'all, keep keep building with us. Keep sharing your joy. Also, we said that although the segment is called Black Joy, uh, we will be making space for non-black folks to share their shit, you know? Yeah. Come on. I'm seeing four out of these people for show black. Uh, there's another person who got, they don't got like a real uh, avatar, mm-hmm. but they might be black too, so... Shout out to y'all, everybody that participated in Black Joy. Uh, you yeah. know, shout out to everyone who participated. I know there's a lot more listeners who didn't participate. We have so more than five chance. patrons. That's one of the turnovers. We have not more than five. Up. We have more than five listeners. The, pa- the, the turnovers not not, not <laughs> adding up because this is only from Patreon. What about Twitter? Ain't nobody tweeted. Come on, y'all. I don't, I don't know. Somebody might have on Instagram. All right, even to our to our home. Actually, ooh, we got more than five. 
More than five. We got more than five. <laughs> Fresh you. We got more than five. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Go ahead, start reading yours. Start uh, reading yours is good. Yeah, there's one of the joys is going to my cousin's wedding after it was being delayed due to COVID. Congratulations to your cousins. Oh my um, nigga, you had somebody get married? But I forgot she was reading somebody else's. <laughs> <laughs> Another black joy was uh graduating from college, started pre panning and it was rough, but we out here. Congrats on getting that. That degree, yes, you know what Lord. I'm saying? Shout out to all the people that's graduated. That's coming yeah, up. That's yeah, that's why people ain't been having no graduations and stuff. Like, imagine yeah. going to college for four years. You ain't even going to want to crash that stage. You was I'll on, be there right now. Bro, I would, I would for three years later, even though I would still be there. This year. You go see me. Congrats. Congrats, you know. Make sure you use that degree for the people now, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, another joy is uh, recently converted to Islam and had iftar today with the only other Muslim in my hometown. Uh, congrats. Congrats, fam. Welcome to the Dean. Alhamdulillah. Um, another one is Black Joy, spending time with friends and family and meditation. Always a good time. Glad you have enjoy. Uh, another one, eating good, eating good with a capital T. Is that eating good? Good. <laughs> Food and learning about different cultures. Food and culture go hand in hand. Help with some good meals. Last one, Joy, get reactivated. That's all we got on there. I know you got some too. Yeah, so, <clears throat> excuse me. My nigga Ty had hit me in February saying it's Black Joy. He wasn't saying to say on the pod, but I'm realizing we should have been shared this shit. Even though he t- so, this is also to people that might listen to the podcast, but don't be on Twitter. Don't. Aren't patrons, but you know, got me and boss's number. You know, feel free to text us, y'all, Joy. Period. You know, so and if we don't say it on the uh, episode, feel free to hit us with a, a friendly reminder. <laughs> Shout out to my nigga Ty. We uh, we trained a few weeks ago together in Muay Thai, and he said that that was his his joy was for us to be able to get it in together. I had some joy too, my nigga with the big calves. My nigga's Ty calves. Ty's calves are insane. <laughs> have you seen this nigga calves? I have not recalled looking at his calves. This shit is huge. Some skater calves. Yeah. It's that kick push, kick push flow. That shit is what he said he got it from skating. But For real? Yeah, he said he said it's from skating. Shout out to Ty. Shout out to everyone that shared. Y'all's joy with us. We really appreciate it. This is just another effort mm. in building the hella black podcast community. You know, all these all these other big podcasts that ain't doing nothing but spewing Western talking points and uh, pitting us against each other. They got the biggest communities, you know. They got all these the, the centrally funded communities. Yeah, y'all come <laughs> fuck with us. Let's show them that, you know. It's, you know, shout out to everybody who had joy, you know, who had a, who maybe had the intention to post on our Patreon and share their joy or to tweet us their joy. But I forgot. You know, shout out to y'all too. Hopefully next time y'all share y'all joy with us and we share it on the pod. But yeah. Black joy. We got ours, you gotta give yours. It was my uh little brother's birthday. It's passed uh, recently. And uh came into town, we had dinner and stuff, so that was a Cool to see him, you know, he in college. So he a sophomore or a freshman? He about to be a junior. Junior. Which is wild. But he went to JUCO first. 
Nah. This is a pandemic. So he was home. When did you go to? Like last year. Now it's for him to move up there though, right? No? I, yeah, I helped him move up there and shit. Oh, all the school was just online. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Bro, okay, I'm like, ah, damn. All right, I, okay, I got you. I got you. Yeah, so he came down, back to the, back to the bay, broke bread. It's wild, bro. You're 20 years old. You ain't a teenager no more. <laughs> I finally see what they mean when they be like, bro, they, you know, y'all grow so fast. Bro, especially when you years older are you? Nine. What? Damn. Yeah. Your parents went at that moment. <laughs> but I got three other siblings. Or I got two I know, other but siblings. How, so how, you're the oldest, right? Yeah. And then, Everyone's pretty much like, it's like almost two year spans between everyone. How do you get that nine year span? Wait, you okay, two years between the, okay, I get it. I get what you're saying. But still, that's even. It was like a, yeah, it was like a. I said, yeah. I mean, I have siblings that are. It was pretty much like a two-year span. Yeah, I have siblings that are part. eighteen years. <laughs> you over here like, wow, not but that wasn't by the same parents though. Oh, yeah. You feel me? Like that wasn't by the same parents. Yeah. For some of my youngest siblings, like that was they they mom's first kid. You know yeah. what I'm saying? My mom hella young. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's about nine years. Which is wild because you know I still remember. You just remember all the me- memories. You know what I'm saying? I remember you were born. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I remember. Changing his diaper and shit, <laughs> crying all the time. Me, me being hella mad. Like I'm like, bro, I'm trying to sleep. Over here crying and shit. Yeah. <laughs> but now nah, he's got a bigger beard than me. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? What's your joy? Family stuff as well. You know, took my little sister to go see her school. Um. That college stuff is, was a hell of a process. Just as I look back on like when we started doing this, because that might have been, ooh, like the fall we started doing this, like August. And I remember us like being at the house, down there both having panic attacks, trying to figure out how to do this. So yeah, for her to be able to, you know, apply to these colleges, get accepted, and then, uh, I guess what is it called, commit to a school, it's big. I'm juiced for her. Then her prom is coming up. She's about to turn 18. She, you know, she going through some, uh, a lot of changes, but it's dope to see. I think I got a picture on my phone from like her first day of third grade. And now she about to be a freshman in college. That's dope, bro. I'm thinking back to when my mom took me to uh, Humboldt (laughs) for the first time. (laughs) It was, then she came up like, you know, you got to go up a little early for uh, summer workouts and stuff. And then you can't really get into the dorms until... Like a week before school start? Yeah. Or I, I guess for us, we were able to get in a little bit earlier once. Uh, well, we had to go up earlier, and then the dorms was open until actual camp started. But I remember her coming up. Uh, I remember, like, yeah, my mom and Kelly mom coming up and stocking our dorm and shit. And so, you know, I'm going to have to take her down and move Stock her into her dorm. dorm. <laughs> you know, it's going to be. <laughs> I'm juiced, though, bro. Like, I'm juiced. Nah, that's what's up. It's big, man. Congratulations. <laughs> lots of lots Congratulations. of familial, yeah. Lots of familial black joy and joy in general in today's episode. So definitely. We need this, y'all. They don't want to see it. We need it. We got to have it. 
I was trying to find. So as we shift into the episode, like we said today, we'll be discussing the third phase, excuse me, of the three-phase theory, right? In the three-phase theory, we have two previous episodes. I'm looking to figure out what numbers they are. We have class struggle from a new African, new African perspective. Is that phase? Is that the one that has phase one? Okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if it was just another episode we talked about class struggle. So, excuse me, episode 110 is where you can get the first phase, right? Class struggle for national unity, right? Um, 118. 118 is the second one? Mm-hmm. Boom. What is we that have the one? right to govern ourselves. Phase two. Now we're on to phase three. Yep. Three phase theory. As articulated, and we are on liberators mm-hmm. by Jalil Mutakim, as the proper uh, theoretical understanding for Frolanon and how we build the front for the liberation of the new African nation and how we effectively struggle against this white supremacist, Euro American, imperialist colonizer, also known as the United States of America. Yep, and the, the basic, simple way for us to understand it is, again, uh, the scientific process to liberate uh, the new African nation from our colonial subjugation. That's the best way to look at it, a very simple, simple way. Class struggle for national unity is the first phase. Mm -hmm. National unity for self-government is the second phase. Self-government for national independence is that last phase, and that's what we're gonna get into today, the third phase. And for y'all to fully get an understanding of the three-phase theory, you should listen to all those episodes, 110, 118, and today being 127. Sure, we could say that. It's one tw- yeah, it's uh, 127. It's 127. Well, we'll be wrong. No, Damn, that's 120. Wrong. It's 124. <laughs> I said, sure. We fucking, we producers, man. Uh, episode 124. Two, 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 two we need a producer because like when we're Thinking about this, we need somebody to have like a whiteboard and they can just draw it up and just point it at us and we say 124. I mean, all, we also, yeah. 124. So 110, 118, and 124, three phase theory. We did like within eight episode increments. Hey, but there was other things that if, it's all connected. If you listen to all these episodes, you'll, you'll, you'll hear the phases come to life in every single one. Literally. In every single one, you'll hear them come to life. Literally. Phase three. But. The importance of three-phase theory is just understanding that revolution isn't just something that's just gonna happen. Like, it ain't just we ain't just gonna it ain't gonna be someone just. I think people think that someone's gonna get killed, everyone's gonna protest, and then the revolution is started. You know what I'm saying? But the revolution is a is a culmination of organizing, mm-hmm. of preparing your people to fight ultimately for our liberation. Mm-hmm. Understanding that liberation will never come through nonviolence. We live in a violent, a violent, a violent world where our oppressor only knows violence. And this isn't us saying that we want violence. It's just understanding the the reality <laughs> that, <laughs> of the yeah. situation that we live in. And is it truly violent to defend yourself, or is the person being violent with you the one who is violent? I think. Defending yourself and going on the offensive, because even going on the offensive for your liberation is still defending yourself and your people. You feel me? It's still under the guise of of, of self defense. It can be articulated that way, right? What What is violent about wanting your humanity and your people's humanity? What is violent about not wanting the earth to burn because of imperialism and white supremacist capitalism that is literally poisoning poisoning the water, poisoning the earth, and is contributed to 
genocide and genocidal conditions that are we that we're still actively living in. You feel me? Yeah. What, what is <laughs> uh, what is violent about that? What's um the new the former new African prisoner of war? He passed away. Is it? I don't want to butcher. Is it Kowasi? Balagoon? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know. Yeah. That. Um, but he was like in in his. I can't. I wish I could remember <clears throat> what the name of the book is. Um, but it's like a a book put together of his writings. A soldier story. Let me see one? the cover. That might be it. Um, but anyway, he talks about like in this war that was pushed, that was forced upon me, right? Like we're to engage in violence um, as an oppressed people. Like, is that really violence when you just responding to your conditions? Like, like you have to ask yourself, even if you don't consider yourself, even if you don't consider yourself the violent type, like, do you actually believe that you can reason with white supremacist terrorists? You seen what, the, like, what was that last January when they stored, like, those are the people you think you can sit at a circle with? Sit down and just talk to? And reason with. People who've already shown you that they will kill and die. People who have already killed and died. In the name of upholding white supremacist symbolism, ideologies, systems, in the name of the flag, right? In the name of the quote-unquote White House, in the name of this nation, this is what they'll do. So it's like- what's the fact of the matter. What, what is our response to that? What is our response to that? We've already seen nonviolence in the height of it, right, with MLK and the civil rights movement and some of the, uh, not to say that that was just a strictly nonviolent uh, movement, because we know that's not the case, right? But what has been, what we've seen with the nonviolent, what we've seen with that gets us, even the, the folks that are nonviolent get knocked down. Um, and you think about what African liberation movements, right? We hear about at the All African People's Conference of 1958, you had Kwame Nkrumah pushing, uh, Patrice Lumumba pushing nonviolence, right? Pushing Gandhi rhetoric. And then they realized after talking after Franz Fanon got up there and gave his speech and was like, no, the only way we can get free is is through war. Because I'll tell you what the French is doing to us in Algeria, and there's no way we can sit down and talk. Reading Jalil's piece where you hear, what year was that written? 2002? Uh, in the 2000s, uh, to support Palestine is not anti-Semitic, right? That newest piece that's in the third edition. What yeah, no, that was recent. I think you wrote 2020? that. 2020? Yeah, I think you wrote okay, that. Okay, 2020. I couldn't tell. I, I, I seen some of the, like, the pre-log or was, was like, 2020 I didn't know if the writing was 2020 but he says like um, the Israeli forces had killed like 6,000 unarmed people how can like you, they're, they're killing unarmed kids. people they're killing kids youth they shooting us out here without, <laughs> without arms so what, what are we your best bet is to look at your material conditions and respond to what's in front of you, not to what you believe. And that's what phase three calls for, right? The yeah. people's war. For national independence. And that's, if we truly want to be free, independence is the only way. Independence has to be fought for. It has to be earned. It ain't something that is given. Independence is backed up by new African power. What does America do up? when they want to go and steal democracy? <laughs> do they use roundtable discussions? No, they use missiles and mercenaries. <laughs> And drones. Missiles, mercenaries, and fronts. <laughs> and agents and clandestine operations. Paying people off, organizing coups. Shoot, they just organized a coup in Pakistan because the president in Pakistan refused to allow U.S. bases to be built within Pakistan. And then what happens? A vote of no confidence happens because the CIA goes in, <laughs> pays off these politicians, corrupts them. 
Now what do you have installed? Neocolonialism. <laughs> a U.S.-backed regime. So the only... And this is the thing which we just have to always make clear. Like, we use revolutionary violence to end all violence. That is the goal of a people's war. Mm-hmm. We want to end all violence, whether it's being killed in the street by the police, whether it's incarceration, whether it's these racist schools, whether it's this racist healthcare system, whether it's this racist water system, or kids and families and people in Flint drinking lead, whether it's TCE coming out of the ground in West Oakland and McClellan's High School. Right? We, we're, our, our goal of a revolution is to end all violence. Our goal of you know picking up uh, the gun is to eliminate the gun to where violence is never the answer. Uh-huh. But that is, you have to have a, a revolutionary <laughs> struggle for that to happen, right? And it's a revolutionary struggle of, of education, right? That's where you have class struggle <laughs> in the first phase, right? Where the masses of people become educated, right? Because you can't just go to the third phase and be like, oh, there's a revolution time, but we haven't done that work to develop ourselves into better people, into having a, a revolutionary ideology, an egalitarian ideology within ourselves as individuals so that our collective society can develop the way that we, for a, a positive way, develop mm-hmm. positively versus negatively into, in this uh, capitalist indoctrination where we're all individualists, we're all consumerists, you know what I'm saying? So that's, it's a, it's a revolution. <laughs> it's a whole revolution, you feel me? It ain't just... And we're trying to eliminate violence, all forms of violence. So don't say revolutionaries are just inherently violent. We're actually, in many ways, we use anti-violence I'm, <laughs> you know, is a way I would say it. Yeah. But we use violence as a tactic yeah. to eliminate the violence of white supremacist, capitalist imperialism, to protect humanity. You, you also got to realize that, that America has a monopoly on legitimized violence. Anytime it's not violence that isn't backed by... American capitalists, American industrialists, right? Um, this is when you get called a terrorist. Literally. <laughs> like, so we have to ask ourselves, why is it that we can watch on all these movies them raid the Congo and kill the, the Conies, the Joseph Conies of the world to uh, invade the Middle East to save them from the big bad towelhead? Why is it that we get to see all this shit? On some for real shit though. No, for real. It's because they have a they have a monopoly on legitimized violence. It's only violence if America says that it's okay. And they have a monopoly on the media, and that's you feel exactly me? What it's the Western media. propaganda pushing that shit into our head. Like any violence that doesn't come into these parameters, right? That is not backed by American industrialists, American capitalists, by uh, American government is terrorism. Mm-hmm. If it goes against the American ideals, the American morals and values, American capitalist endeavors, it is terrorism. You have to ask yourself why is it that anytime. Call me a terrorist. You know, that's what I, I said that on the panel. I said, they're going to call you, but that's <laughs> they what call you a terrorist. the I mean, violence that you're talking about is not in alignment with... They didn't call Christopher Columbus a terrorist. <laughs> of course not. They called him a pioneer. <laughs> they called <laughs> him a pioneer. They didn't call Barack Obama a terrorist. They gave him a peace prize. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, how is it a person with dropping drones having this imperial presence through the African command, which puts hundreds of... Uh, milita- U.S. military bases on the continent How That's what we call peace See when America does violence It's instilling peace and democracy But when people fight back against American violence It's terrorism You gotta ask yourself why is that yeah. Who taught you that Who taught you that fight back against America is terrorism The terrorists America is the biggest terrorist in the world 
I mean, we've always been considered terrorists. That's one thing I was talking about on the panel is like the U.S. The U.S. media machine isn't a media machine. It's a part of war. It's a part of psychological programming. When That's you what understand it is. that this is a part of war, it's psychological programming. So of course, the CIA they're going to call us Time, Time Magazine. Come on. You feel me? Like all this is a part of the Central Intelligence Agency um, and them defending <laughs> this settler nation. So it's always from the very beginning when we was on the plantation and we was overthrowing these white supremacists. They was calling us terrorists. Right, so even this this word terrorist oftentimes is being used uh, for folks in West Asia or Middle East, but the root, of, world, the root of yeah. the root of terrorism in America and who was the original terrorist was enslaved was Africans who was enslaved. You feel me? Whether it was on the plantation, whether it was on the, the slave ship, whether it was in the slave dungeons in the continent, every time we would, was rebelling, we was called terrorists. And then when you look at the evolution of that word being used, you seen it used on uh, the BLA. You know what I'm saying? The Black Panther Party. Martin Luther King, you feel me? And who do you know about Inciting the Patriot Act? The terrorism. Patriot Act was what a response was a quote unquote in response to nine eleven. Who did they once it passed? They used that to charge former Black Panthers and Black Liberation Army veterans, nigga. Like, and then they use they caught the Black word. Panther, and then they'll go and make these movies. They'll go and put these murals up. They'll go and give these folks these days and put them on t shirts. You're a terrorist while the work that you're doing is can actually have an impact on the American status quo and then post that, you're a hero. Yeah. Anytime you was fighting back, you know. Don't get me wrong, there are there are terrorists out there. Yeah. <laughs> there are question. terrorists out there. there, there but terrorists. The, the there context of what we were talking yeah. about, you feel me? We we're talking about revolutionaries. You feel me? Revolutionaries are always deemed as terrorists. Anyone fighting back against US uh, colonial violence and imperialism, whether it's Hamas in Palestine and the Gaza Strip, they they is called terrorists because they is fighting back. <laughs> they is called terrorists because they is defending their land and trying to free their land. We is called terrorists because we is defending our people and trying to free the land. And even with, and even what even what you hear about like the Black Liberation Army, they will only engage with uh essentially like other conscious combatants, right? Like they wasn't out here Harming civilians, fighting the back against the pigs, the FBI, the CIA. You know what I'm saying? They even talking about when they was doing one of the expro- expropriations, right? They told him like, "Bro, just go. Like, put your gun down and go." <laughs> he wanted to defend the neo-colonial state. That's on you. At that point, you're making a conscious decision, right? So again, even they they try to make these conscious combatants out to be these terrorists when they have more values and morals than these American terrorists. Who killing unarmed kids? Dropping bombs on weddings. Who supplying the IDF? <laughs> killing yeah. unarmed Palestinian kids, blowing up homes, dropping drones, and then covering it up, demolishing the city afterwards to say nobody even lived here. Who's the terrorist? Come on. So when we talk about you know revolutionary nationalists engaged in guerrilla units, we not they're not going in and uh, burning villages and killing civilians. They engaging with other conscious combatants. Not the U.S. military can't say the same. The U.S. Marines can't all say the same. IDF can't say the same. They can't. They kill any and whoever. OPD can't say the same. OPD shoot whoever. Literally. Whoever on the bark tracks with your hands tied behind your back, coming out of the uh, store in West Oakland. Our people of Ville Mixer. You know, like everybody can't say the same. And this is why, again, like you got to ask yourself, who's telling you what violence is okay and what violence is it? 
what violence is. No, you can't let your oppressor dictate how you think about violence. And at it's, all. it's important that we understand like the people's armed struggle that's referred to, the people's war that's referred to in phase three is but a facet of phase three, right? We talk about uh, the mass mobilization of new Africans and our allies, right? Uh, demonstrations, right? Like these are all in conjunction because we know at the end of the day we can do all these things and most of the time our oppressor is going to respond with, violence, with violent repression and we have to be able to meet that and that's what all liberation movements have called for. Mm -hmm. And that's just the facts. And so again, we don't these this violence doesn't just come out of thin air, right? It's a part of a response. We know what's going to happen to us as we try to, you know, build the decolonization programs, as we try to leverage our uh Sure, we know what's happening right now as we live in. Oh yeah. It's just like it's, it's, it's making an analysis that like, okay, we know that you look at fucking what people love talking about Black Wall Street and Tulsa. Like, look, like, look, we have to we have to look at these things that anytime we try to build for ourselves and make for ourselves, what has the white supremacist terrorist done? They didn't. They didn't. They 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 didn't call Tulsa a white nationalist terrorist act. They don't refer to that. Still ain't to this day. To this, they don't. They don't refer to that. Who was who? That wasn't the Viacom coming over here and dropping bombs in Tulsa, Oklahoma. In the street shooting. That was the Klan. They don't call that terrorism though. They don't. They don't call it terrorism. I mean, the formation of this nation is terrorism. Formation of this country, formation of this empire, but we look at at three phase theory. You know that's why the programs for decolonization that is built up in the first phase, right, becomes so important in the third phase because now we have the structure amongst different cadres in different locales uh, within the front for the liberation of the new African nation. Now have these programs already built in, autonomous institutions already built in that allow the people to actually fight. Right, that give the uh, actual structure for us to be able to fight, and the and the, the programs for us to move on the offensive. So when we have those programs, that will support the revolution. That's why we have to build these programs for decolonization, from Oakland to Atlanta to Savannah to New York <laughs> to Indiana, right? Because then it gives us the infrastructure to be able to fight, and that's what we have to have. So when we have these programs built and installed. We also now know how, you know, that's why all of it is a dialectical relationship, because now we, have, we know how to govern ourselves. So when the war, the people's war and new African independence is, is established, we already, <laughs> we already know how to govern ourselves. We had programs for decolonization, and now we have the infrastructure already built for that. Right? So it isn't this, <laughs> you can't start with the third phase. It's all a process of building, all a process of building. I mean, you, you even have me? folks, like, I'll, I'll, you'll talk to people who don't necessarily identify as, like, I don't think they identify as nationalists at all, whether cultural or revolutionary, right? But they, they'll make the claim like, bro, we need our own nation. Okay, well, how have all nations in this world been formed, especially post-Euro-American post, uh, expansion and, and control and domination? How have they been forged? Through violence. So you think they're just going to give us land and the machinery to take care of it? Let's, and the technicians... And the money? No, they won't. And even if they did, how are you going to defend it? Let's say, how, how are you going to defend it? Because it's not going. Not everybody's going to want us to have our land. Let's say, let's say, uh, let's say America said, "Fuck it, y'all can have y'all new African nation. Y'all can have it. Y'all can have these. Y'all can have the black belt." And then 
the, the Ukrainian neo-Nazis want to come take our shit. How do we defend it? Nah, you don't sit down at a round table with a Nazi. <laughs> How do you defend it? A Nazi who has weapons shipped from different NATO countries, ships. Not even those niggas. Let's say a little little clan in, because we're going to be uh, in the South. No, we in Georgia, we in Louisiana, we in Mississippi, Alabama. We down there. What if the, the clan just say, you know, 10,000 strong? We want this shit. How do we defend it? And that's that's not a stretch. It's not a stretch because it's happened. <laughs> that's, not, that's not a stretch. That's not, not a stretch because it has happened. How do we defend it? No, I really wish, bro. Like nobody is nonviolent. That's that's the thing. Like people will say, "Oh, I'm nonviolent." You are not nonviolent. You might use it every once in a while as a tactic, but everyone who says they're nonviolent, at some point, if you push into a corner. I don't know. Some people might not fight back, <laughs> but like even you, you take an animal for an instance, like a cat that is passive that runs away every time. If you if you was violent with a cat, a cat gonna strike back at you at some point. <laughs> like we is not going. You just can't. It, it's just logically it don't make sense. If we are continually being punched, brutalized, killed, beat. The natural, the natural thing to do is to fight back. It's fight or flight. It's time to fight. As many candlelights as as I've been to, as many times I've had to go, got that call that one of my niggas didn't got shot. As many fights as I didn't been in, I'm here to tell you I don't want to have no more violence in my life. I'm not stupid though. <laughs> like, like I, I see what's I know, especially if I say you can't say you want revolution. Right, like like Malcolm said, you can't say you want revolution because if you knew what it was, you know it involves bloodshed. Right, and we talking about revolution in this world. That means uh, shifting from a capitalist to a socialist world. Right, that means no more exploitation of, of labor, no more exploitation of resources. Right, of, of the planet. Um, that means living in a way that's communal and equal for all people. And there are those that control this world that would die before they see that happen. Right, so that's just the you're going to have to. Like, how bad do you want revolution? Are you willing to die and kill for it? Or are you just willing to continue to watch the masses of your people suffer? Again, if there's some type of national, international publicite we could have, we sit down at the table and everyone says, like, nah, this ends now. But that's, that would have been happened. And even, you know, there's very few examples of revolutions that were nonviolent for historical materialists. And what type of violence are we talking about? Are we just talking about like, uh, like without arm, because, arm warfare? You know what I'm saying? What type of cultural, you know, there's always violence. Economic yeah. shit was niggas subjected to. Was niggas living in shanty towns before? Yeah. Oh, they got they, you know, not being able to read, no healthcare, no housing. You know, like that's that's all violence. That's like like what we're talking about here is a, is arm struggle, but yeah. the war has already begun. War is already. When we go to twenty thirty MLK and we watch people out there who say, "Oh, the shelter supposed to be open on Sundays," and "Oh, I haven't eaten this many days," or sitting in their own feces, or having no shoes on, or you know, high out their minds on drugs. You know what I'm saying? Like the war is already here. The war is here. It's just how are we going? And this is why it's phases, right? Like okay, our first war is taking some losses on this first thing we might be losing some of our people losing some of our new africans but we raising the conscience of the people in the process of it so that those deaths are not in vain all right the second phase we gaining control over our resources gaining control of our institutions gaining control of our 
of our of our uh of our communities. Then that last phase is, bro, we didn't accumulate this now, we need it all. We need it all, and we cannot let all that we've lost and all that we've gained be in vain to this last point that we gotta because we already we see ourselves for it. We already see ourselves governing ourselves. Through those first two phases, we we built national unit, we built self government. We're already practicing it. So the next logical phase is to fight for that. Is to actually put this <laughs> into its utmost practice, which is through the formation of the new African nation. Third phase is just being prepared for for what is seems to be based off history, uh, the inevitable, right? Now, let's say we do these first two, phase one, phase two, and, you know, there's some plague that only wipes out anybody who believes in capitalist imperialism. Then, hey, we might be A1. <laughs> we might be A1, kumbaya. What's the uh, coexist? You know, the little sign with the peace sign and all that? You but know, what, 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 what empire has fallen? Without violence, that's why it wouldn't be. It wouldn't. That's you know why what I'm like, saying, like through history, maybe some divine intervention or something. You know, but yeah, we need the Imam Mahdi to come back. You know, maybe some divine intervention. <laughs> Issa to come back. Maybe some. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. But let's. But history hasn't shown things work that way. So we have to use our historical materialist hat and say what has been, and make a scientific. You know, make a. Uh, I mean, that's why it's called a theory. Okay, based off these factors, based off these variables of capitalist imperialism. Based off the history of independence movements, the three-phase theory seems to be what can get us to our ultimate mm-hmm. goal of liberation uh, as new Africans. It accounts for America. every. It does account for every possibility. Yeah, you know, like even if it is a, you know, like the Iranian Revolution, it started off. It was like a mass, a mass uh, revolution, right? That didn't originally use armed struggle, mm-hmm. right? So it was a massive amount of people rising up against the U.S.-backed uh, Shah and overthrew the Shah. But then what do you have to do right the day after? <laughs> defend the revolution. What you going to have to do to defend the revolution? You have to get, get armed. <laughs> Build a military a to be able to defect your nation. So it's even when people will say, well, we want to use examples like, oh, it, it can be uh, a mass, relatively nonviolent uprising of the masses of people. Yes, it can be. But at the same time, if that happens, you will have to be able to defend the gains that you just made. And that is a materialist, historical materialist perspective of the reality that we live in. Mm-hmm. You feel me? So that's what we got to build for. That's what we got to build to. Obviously, we ain't in the third phase yet. So, you know, we ain't saying go out your house and <laughs> go get spunky. <laughs> go get spunky in the, in the name of liberation through building programs for decolonization in your backyard. You feel me? The offensive programs that will build the autonomous institutions for our people during, post, during and post, and before revolution. That's what, that's that's the call of the day is to build programs for decolonization, to develop cadre organizations, to study, to activate the people, to activate the people's consciousness through education, so it could lead towards complete uh, emancipation from the settler nation. That's that's the call of the day. Yeah, this isn't just a sporadic one-off, <laughs> um, you know, acts of acts of resistance well like those sometimes happen but what phase three calls for is like organized organized fronts you know it's like it's real um jesus straight knocking (laughs) (laughs) this is what people think oakland is like every day watching movies like uh blind Blind spotting and shit god they got us we used to talk about that in our uh post in our 
yeah, I got some shit I want to talk about for extended uh, content. But again, what we were saying is like this violence that we're talking about in terms of armed struggle is it's organized, it's strategic. It's not uh, the very reactionary one-offs that again sometimes just happen that are responsive. Sometimes you know, sometimes a one-off has to happen because you defending yourself. Are you some people reach that breaking point right with that point where they can't take no more of this shit? Which I understand. Um, but what this phase three is calling for is collective mass organized armed struggle. But again, hopefully, like we said, divine intervention, you know, we're trying to keep as many yeah, people alive as possible. Hopefully it can be some, you know, a mass movement. And that's, and, you know, but the only way that's going to happen is if, if uh, you know, other people, Somehow other races gain, gain a conscience, gain, gain a consciousness, which, you know, I'm not going to put my bets on. You know what I'm saying? Or if, if Europeans, the Euro-American, decides to... Uh, Oh, they just have some mass awakening. I don't mass awakening, and where they begin to uh, civilize their own people, because that's what has to happen. Their own people need to be civilized. Those people who storm the capital, they need to be civilized because they're they're not civilized. They're not. They don't believe in humanity, and that's what has to have a shift. But I don't know, the left movements in America are so weak. <laughs> Like even the white left movements, the so-called yeah, socialist movements, and nigga, like, this bro, is in, so in weak. 18th century Russia, they was blowing up, or 19th century Russia, they was blowing up factories and shit. <laughs> you feel me? Like it was getting dirty, bro. So it was getting dirty. Will not uh, put my chips with the black left or the white left. So <laughs> that's that. But what, episode 124. Go tap in with the book. We are on liberators. What's happened with the previous two episodes we talked about? 110 and 118 for the first two phases, yeah. three phase theory. And go share, like, and subscribe to Hello Black Podcast. Go to Spotify, give us that five star review, take some time real quick. If you're driving in a car, pull over, <laughs> give that five star review, subscribe. We got 748 ratings on uh, Apple, Apple Podcasts. So- Let's get that to a thousand. I would say by the next time we come on here, can we at least have 755? That's seven responses from y'all. Come on. And then we only got like 49 reviews on Spotify. So Man, go we tap in. We haven't had a response in hell long. Go tap in with us. Five-star review, please. I'm begging. But nah. Appreciate the real. So to tap into this next part of the episode, you have hit that paywall. Patreon.com slash Pod.